0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good day, good night. I have no idea where you are, so pick one that suits you. Hey, this is Scott again. I am coming at you about Genesis one more time. I love this book. This is Scott.
1: And this is Brad. And this is definitely not about us.
0: All right. Like we said, this is Genesis and we're getting deeper and deeper into this book. I uh, I'm I'm just loving where this is taking us. Brad, I don't know about you what you think about this, but uh uh I'm I'm just so appreciating just the 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 freshness, the newness every time I get into a different chapter in this book.
1: You know what? You just said the freshness, the newness of this book. That just a little thing maybe, but Genesis, our origin, we were fresh, we were new.
0: That's true. You yeah, know? that's and, right.
1: And here we are, ever how you want to look at it, 6000 some odd years later or you know, 60,000 years later, whatever you want to say. Here we are looking at it again, fresh and new.
0: Fresh and new. Absolutely. Uh and I love that about these studies that 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 for me anyway, and I hope it is for you, It's just new every time I get in. And right now, uh, to keep that newness going, Brad, if you could start us off in prayer, we would all appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Yahweh, Yahweh God. I always say Yahweh God. I always say your name and then your title. I don't know why. So let me change it this time. Yahweh, you are awesome. You created this whole thing, and then you gave us this beautiful mercy. You let us know about it in Scripture. You introduced yourself to us in Scripture. You introduced yourself to us in many ways, but this is, this is one of the most amazing, ultimate ways. We get to see how you created everything. We get to see our first interactions with you in Genesis. And it's so much more. Scripture is so perfect because you are perfect. We can dig deeper and see so many new things. We talked about the newness and the freshness. You've brought new and fresh things to us in this study. That's not from us. That's from you because you laid things In Scott's heart, you laid things in my heart to talk about. That's not us, that's you. We want to invite you in here today, right now, to be the honored guest, to encourage you to put more of those new and fresh thoughts into our hearts so we can share it with others, so we can share you with others because we love you. And we know how awesome it is to be with you and to share these things and to have that love for you. This this prayer is truly turning into a conversation. So I'm going to stop it now, though, so we can get on to (laughs) that, so we can get on to those new and fresh, wonderful things. God, Yahweh, we love you. Thank you. We do. Amen.
0: All right. So let's jump right in. Last time we finished Genesis chapter 1, and right now I'm going to go back and recap. The last thing we said uh, was Genesis 1.31 through Genesis 2.1, and it was, And Elohim saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, and the heaven and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And I'm going to go on right now and read Genesis 2 2 and 3. And on the sixth day, Elohim finished his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And Elohim blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because that in it he rested from all his work which Elohim in creating had made. And I hadn't quite wrapped up my thoughts on Genesis 1:31 and 2, 1, but one of the reasons I stopped is because I wanted to connect it to what we see here in Genesis 2, 2, and 3, and that is the word finished. He says, and the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and then he goes on to say, and on the sixth day Elohim finished his work, which he had made. So that word finished, I just wanted to check it out and see if there was something to it that would stand out to me and and give me some more insight as to what's going on here. And this word finished is Strong's Concordance number 3615, uh, ka Law. And it means to end, whether intransitively, such as to cease, be finished, or perish, or whether transitively, such as to complete, prepare, consume, Uh, And there's a little more I want to get into that word here. But first, I want to give you the word picture. ka comes from the Hebrew letters kaf, lamed, and he. And one of the possible interpretations I pulled out of this, which I thought was pretty cool, since we're talking about finished, is that there's a word picture here that says, look toward the opening. And the cool thing I thought about that was that when anything finishes, the end of one thing is the beginning of another. And so here we're talking about creation. And the earth and heaven and all the hosts of them were finished. And it's the sixth day when Elohim finished his work. So they're done, but time is not done. Uh, Everything about God's plan is not done. He's just built it. And we talked about this uh, last time, Brad, talking about the image of God preparing a house for his bride. So it's kind of like he's saying, the house is built. It's finished. But the expectation is now you're going to use the house. The bride is going to move in with the husband and you're going to enjoy the house. There's going to be a life within the house when the house is finished.
1: Well, everything is finished now. And now we just get the pleasure of watching it all, seeing it all actually work and maneuver.
0: Yeah. It's it's
1: actually kind of exciting to think about now the galaxies are spinning. You know, the the universe is doing what it's supposed to do. There, I don't know if our listeners know this, but there are quite a few things that Uh, Just on this Earth alone, if they were tweaked even just a little bit, we wouldn't be able to have life on this Earth. Oh, that's right. Things that happen in the solar system or in the galaxy or, you know, or right here on this own Earth, the way the moon rotates around us, all of these things are in perfect alignment so we can have life on this planet. And now, for the first time, everything's working the way it's supposed to. Right. That's just really cool to me.
0: It's finished. Yes, it's ready to go for his life, for yeah. for what he's putting out there. Yeah. For his bride.
1: So this is maybe this is part of the reason why he say it's very good because now we're actually seeing it all work. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, could you imagine I'm sorry, I'm going to commandeer this it. real quick. Imagine being one of the heavenly body and seeing God who who's already done amazing and wonderful things. But now, you know, Every day you're watching him do something new. He's creating something new. Just imagine, like it would be, it would be such an awesome experience to go. What is he going to do now? (laughs) What what is that? What is the purpose of that thing? You know, just think. You don't have the knowledge that he does. You don't understand necessarily why he's doing the things he does. You trust that there's a good reason and purpose for it. But it would just be super exciting. Sorry, I took us off trail, but I just thought that image was popping in my head. You're right. Just sitting there going well now what is he doing what are those creatures what are those things for you know i just uh-huh. it would be very childlike and and i don't know i just i thought that was a cool image
0: oh i do like that uh to be an angel watching it all happen I'm like really what's what what's going on there what holy oh my goodness there, there's a,
1: a series of memes that are kind of funny, but they're basically an angel having a conversation with God as he's creating all the animals and whatnot. And I sometimes I, it, it's terrible, but I sometimes think it's, it's kind of funny. He's like, "You you've created this very cuddly, soft little ball of fur. It's so cute and adorable." And then God goes, "Now I'm going to give it very sharp teeth and razor blades for claws." And the angel's <laughs> like, "But why? It was perfect." <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, So let me go on. There is something else I mentioned um, about finished uh, and this word that I also want to continue on. And that's the fact that it is this whole section right here is prophetic also. And we've talked about this before. God is perfect, He exists outside of time. Everything He does is perfect. The beginning, uh, the end is told from the beginning. You can see. the end of time from the beginning of time. You can see all of God's plan from the beginning. Everything works together so intricately in everything we can see uh, ourselves. We can see personal spiritual growth, uh, personal spiritual application in everything. And we're gonna get to that in just a second, but there's a few more things I need to explain. And going back now to Genesis two, two, and three, and on the sixth day, Elohim finished his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made, and Elohim blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because that in it he rested from all his work which Elohim, in creating, had made. So, right now, um, at, at the time of the nation of Israel and biblical times, and, and even right now, in the land of Israel, a week is seven days because of this. But every day has no name except for the seventh day which is called the sabbath now we rest on the sabbath because god rested on the sabbath and every day just has a number uh, it's the you know in in america we have monday tuesday wednesday and so on and so forth uh, in israel they had first day second day third day that that was it until you got to the sabbath and as we've said before uh, it's a physical picture of spiritual truth, and there was a physical day of rest as an example that we could understand. It was very easy to get. Six days we worked the land, six days we, we, we work. So the seventh is do no work. Uh, just Just chill out, just relax. And we've talked about this before in other podcasts, Uh, in reference to have a date night with God. Just enjoy yourself. Spend time with Him. Uh, Just love on Him. Let Him love you back. Just have that loving, personal, passionate relationship about it. We've talked about that before, but I want to get into some of the prophetic signs of this. Now, another thing we see in order to go on with this is man is created on the sixth day. We've talked about it before. Six is man's number as well as Satan's. And God rested on the seventh day. Seven is Yeshua's number. Seven is uh, one of the perfect numbers. Three, seven, ten, and twelve. And the number seven uh, represents resurrection. It represents spiritual completeness. It represents the Father's perfection. And it represents rest. One of the things I find fascinating about this is it's represented by the Hebrew letter uh, word, yeah, letter Zayin. And Zayin is represented by the picture of a sword and represents strife. So I find that fascinating that it's connected to resurrection, spiritual completeness, the Father's perfection and rest. And the letter is represented by the picture of a sword. I just find that a fascinating uh, picture right there. Yeah. But one of the connections is in this prophetic interpretation. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Never forget, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. The week, the the seven, 24-hour period, the week is a picture. It's a microcosm of the seven millennia before all is made perfect the heaven and the earth and all the host of them were finished on the sixth day elohim finished his work on the sixth day this is a prophetic picture that six thousand years are appointed to man to work the seventh millennia belongs to jesus it belongs to yeshua who will rule and reign on earth and there is going to be rest for a thousand years but it is going to come with a sword jesus is going to return and he is going to conquer and his sword is going to finish the work that gives us rest
1: wow wow (laughs) Just, this is why I love this, Scott.
0: So I just found that so fascinating that this, one of these perfect numbers, resurrection, spiritual completeness, the Father's perfection, and rest, represented by a sword in, the, in just the picture of the letter Zion. Now, not only that, but at the end of the thousand years, I'm not going to get into that too deeply here, but just a brief mention, Satan is not defeated for good, At the end of 6,000 years, Jesus is going to come back and defeat him, but he's going to bind him, and we're skipping ahead. But we're talking about the prophetic picture that is being shown here from six days, and on the seventh, he rested. But at the end of the seventh day, Satan is going to be loosed one last time, and God is going to defeat him at the end of the seventh millennium to give us final and perfect rest over sin for all time. Uh, So again, we just have the picture of the sword, the word of God, the sword of the spirit being used to put down sin and evil, not as a weapon against us, not as a holding the sword to our throat and saying, you fall in line, you loser. I am God. You better do what I say. But as a sword used in our defense for our protection, in love uh, of us, using the sword against our true enemies not other people but against sin itself against death hell and the grave itself and defeating it completely giving us perfect rest so that's just a really cool picture right there
1: yeah that's an awesome picture i know this this is stuff i know but when you paint it when you when you talk about it i don't know i can't help but get excited I want that thousand-year millennial rule of Christ,
0: you know? Now here's something else to add to that, which is pretty cool. Every day, one, days 1 through 6, what do we have? And there was evening and there was morning, a sixth day, right? Right? There's no evening and morning on the seventh day. He never mentions it. There is no There's no darkness. There is no evening. The seventh day is just and God rested. The seventh day has no evening and morning distinction. The seventh millennia or the seventh day for God is completely ruled by Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. That's just uh, a really cool thing right there. Uh, that the week itself is prophetic uh, for the time of man and the sixth millennia we have here that we are wrapping up in. And we're coming up on the time of the seventh millennia. We should be rejoicing for that. But uh, we know there's going to be some birth pangs. There's going to be some trouble leading up to that birth. But we should be looking forward to that day of rest. Absolutely.
1: That, yeah. I mean, when you know what's coming, when you know how awesome it's going to be, that should comfort you to get you through the trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of us will fall into those and we'll get caught up in the despair and the fear uh and i think we're kind of seeing that right now what's going on in the world right now are birth pains whether we're actually ramping up in the next decade or 200 years from now doesn't matter we are still experiencing birth pains right here right now
0: yes we are um
1: and they do seem like they are getting more and more frequent and, and more and more powerful and and it's all stuff it'll we'll talk about this and in Revelation study too, but all of this stuff has been prophesied. Jesus himself said mm-hmm. what would be happening, and you can see it. If you, if you look at the world nowadays, you can see these things are happening.
0: Yep. So now I want to get into the word hallowed, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Elohim blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. So what does that word hallowed mean? Well, it comes from Strong's Concordance, number 6942, and it's the Hebrew word kadash, uh, and it means to be clean, to appoint, to bid, to consecrate, to dedicate, to be or keep holy, to purify, to sanctify. These are all important words, and they all together paint uh, uh, an incredible picture of the seventh millennia, the seventh day that has been hallowed. But I want to focus on the very first, the primary meaning, and that is to be clean. And this gets us into a discussion of what does it mean to God to be clean and to be unclean? Now, again, physically, we know. What does it mean to be clean? What does it mean to be unclean? If I'm talking strictly in a physical sense, uh, if I said, Brad, you're dirty, go get cleaned up, what am I telling you to do?
1: Well, I've been rolling around in the mud again. That's right. (laughs) So I need to go take a
0: shower. (laughs) You have a bad habit of that, Brad. (laughs) I really gotta stop. (laughs) But yeah, we get this. If you're unclean, you're, you're dirty. You've just got filth on you of some kind. To be clean is to remove the filth. So there's a very easy physical representation that we see here. So what does that mean spiritually? Now, a lot of people mistake the fact that they treat unclean as a synonym for sin. Uh, They see unclean equals sin, sin equals unclean, but this is not true. You can be unclean and not be a sinner. Now, there's a square rectangle relationship here. If you are in sin you are unclean but if you are unclean that does not necessarily mean you're in sin and i have some verses here to explain this and actually um i'm not going to read all of them because they were very lengthy the explanations i don't want to go too long so i'll let you go check it out yourself read the entirety of chapter 12 in leviticus and it explains about a woman who has just given birth And what she has to do following the birth, rituals she has to go through, things she has to complete, and it explains after she gives birth to a male child or a female child, she is unclean for a period of time. Does this mean she's sinned by giving birth? No, of course not. I mean, God himself said, we've just read in these earlier podcasts, God told Uh, mankind be fruitful and multiply well we know how that happens Uh, so here a woman has just given birth to a child and she is declared unclean for a time she's not a sinner did you have something to add to that brad
1: well can i just uh, share something um personally i've talked about it in previous podcasts but i have had some moments in my life where um, after I started chasing a relationship with God, I came to certain conclusions that I was doing things. Um, one of the harshest conclusions I had was that I was a hypocrite because I was still doing some things that I knew now, chasing a relationship with God, that were not right and they were not things that I wanted to do. Um, some of the, but when you're talking about clean and unclean, I have frequently... Uh, realize that I've been putting unclean things into my soul. Um, I watched certain movies. I've watched, I've read certain books. I've played certain video games. I have put unclean, dirty things into my soul. And this may not be, this is just a connection I'm seeing. I have prayed frequently for God to help clean my soul. Mm-hmm. I want things to be well with my soul. I want my soul to be focused on Him because I truly believe that our soul can get depressed when it is beaten down by all that filth and disgust. Yes. That's um, so why I've, since I've chased in a relationship with God, my choice of music has changed. I spend more time uh, reading scripture or books about scripture or those kind of things. My. Uh, video interests have changed. I watch more uh, Michael Rood studies and and things that are going to give me some something good for my soul, something more positive, something godly. Um, but that being said, my soul is still dirty. That stuff is still in there. It doesn't just mm-hmm. go away. You know, that's so why we're I'm, told
0: we're taught to daily wash ourselves in the Word, right?
1: And so I can tell you, I have thought about this before. I have thought about. What is it going to be like when this soul of mine is finally purged of all that disgust and dirt that excites me, that Mm -hmm. thought of getting that, all of that out of there and just letting my soul be clean.
0: And this is a representation of exactly that. And there's more, there's another verse I'm going to share with you here in a second, but on what Brad says, I want to continue with that thought Clean and unclean, at at its very root, in a very basic way of thinking about it, it simply means clean is representing and resembling God. Unclean is not correctly showing a picture of who God is. So it's not necessarily a sin. It's just not an accurate picture of God. Yeah. Now, Now, so that's why a sin is unclean, because a sin... Is no way in represent a representation or a correct representation of who God is. Uh, it's exactly the opposite. It's running from God. It's disobedience. It's it's opposition to God is a sin. But there are many unclean things that like like a woman giving birth afterwards. This is why uh, we haven't got there yet in Genesis, but we've mentioned it when Eve sins. When Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden and God is telling them, hey, because of what you've done, this is gonna happen from now on, he tells the woman, you're going to give birth painfully now because of what you've done. So this is a representation of her own sin affecting her, that the painful birth, the trauma that she experiences, it is not a picture of who God is. It is not a picture of how God intended it for, for it to be. Um, so he wants to point out when he's saying the woman is unclean after her birth, he's pointing out that this picture of a woman being traumatized, being in pain, being the the suffering of childbirth, the, the, the physical trauma that happens to her body, uh, after that period and, and the healing that has to happen, that is not a correct picture of who God is. That's really what he's saying. And I'll go into the next one I had was Numbers 19, one through 10. And I will read this. I'll try to read it pretty quickly here. And Yahweh spoke unto Mosh and unto Aharon. Uh, again, reading from the Hebraic Roots version, uh, King James would say Moses and Aaron saying, this is the statute of the Torah, which Yahweh has commanded saying, speak unto the children of Israel.'" that they bring you a red heifer, faultless, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And you shall give her unto Eleazar the Kohen, and she shall be brought forth without the camp, and she shall be slain before his face. And Eleazar the Kohen shall take of her blood with his finger, and sprinkle of her blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times. There's a number seven again, but we'll go on. And the heifer shall be burnt in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood with her dung shall be burnt. And the Kohen shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. So, I'm interrupting myself here. All of this is a direct commandment of God, is it not, Brad? Yes. So, Elazar the Cohen, uh, and Kohen, we would translate that as priest, uh, but... Uh anyway, Eleazar the Cohen, uh he's commanded him to do these things by doing them is he obeying God? By doing what God has commanded in this in these circumstances. Yes. So is that a good thing, obeying God? Yes. Right. So, he goes on to say, "And the Cohen shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water and afterward he may come into the camp and the Cohen shall be unclean" until the even and he that burns her again he commanded her to be burnt he said he that burns her shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water and shall be unclean until the even And he goes on to say, and the man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the assembly of the children of Israel for a water of sprinkling. It is a purification from sin. And we can get into that in more detail later. There's, There's a whole cool thing about that. I'm just focusing on the unclean, the clean part here. And he that gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until the even and it shall be unto the children of israel and unto the stranger that sojourns among them for a statute forever so three people in this process he, he said they shall be unclean all three of them were obeying the will of god by following through with this ritual so why are they unclean if this is a sin It can't be a sin. They're obeying God. Exactly. So unclean does not mean they sinned. Unclean is a representation that at that moment, their physical status of being unclean is a picture that this does not, this particular picture does not represent God. He's telling them in this point, they are unclean. Now, in the literal this, this gets into a whole cool subcategory uh, that, that this is a picture of the signature of God. In fact, there's a book. I, I just thought of that. There's a book called The Signature of God that I encourage all of you to read, uh, and it talks about that in the Old Testament where we can see God's hand at work, and this is one of the things they point out, that God gave these perfect rules that in the physical... We see now, holy cow, he was telling them, you're unclean, bathe yourself. God knew about germs. God knew about disgusting things way back then. Uh, And 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 it is a really good book. Uh, One of the things it talks about is Moses being raised as a prince of Egypt. And so he would have known, he would have gone to the best schools in Egypt. He would have been taught by the wisest men in Egypt and he would have been taught all the wisdom of Egypt. And then this book, it goes into what the wisdom of Egypt was such as things like if you had a wound, you could take a, a cow dung or donkey dung and spread it over the wound. They thought that was something that would help. And just things like that, that we know now are disgusting and and harmful, uh, that all of these things that Moses would have been taught, that had he written the book by himself, without God, had he written the Torah, there would be this wisdom of Egypt that he learned Uh, as as the wisdom of man but no we see things like this god telling him you touch you, you you kill this animal you do these things you take his blood you sprinkle it then go wash yourself you're unclean they wouldn't have done that in in the land of egypt they wouldn't have done that at this time other civilized nations in the world This is another element where we're proving God wrote this book because he understood what germs were. Kind of getting off on a sidetrack here, but it's just proving who God is that he understood how everything worked when mankind didn't.
1: Well, that might explain why there was some opposition too because they don't understand and they're saying we have to do it this way. That doesn't make any sense from what we knew. Exactly. we know. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry because this is a conversation study I don't have all my facts I don't have all my sources ready to go but I read an article about a hospital they were um, concerned because they had a fairly large fatality rate uh, for uh, pregnant women and they started doing some research and whatnot and they realized simply that washing their hands after going or being with one patient
0: and Ignaz Semmelweis. Uh, that is the name of the doctor. I know exactly who you're talking about. A Hungarian doctor. Oh, keep keep going with yours.
1: Well, if you got it there, uh, maybe you'll have the facts. So t- tell me if I'm saying this wrong. But they basically... They were wearing the same pair of gloves from like room to room. They were not washing their hands in between giving birth. So they were going from one person to the next and they were not sanitizing themselves. And then they were wondering, why do we have such a high fatality rate? Well, it's because if they had just read the Bible, <laughs> they would have seen what you need to do in between. Uh, they're unclean.
0: Yes. Uh, he did exactly what you're talking about. He uh, He... Realized that uh people were going the the doctors in the clinic they were doing they were having mortuary duty in the morning then they were going in and doing the scheduled childbirths oh my goodness and the babies were dying they said the the babies that were living were babies that were uh coming out uh not on schedule because what they did is they they tried to say, okay, here's the time of birthing babies. You know, we we're going to we're gonna we're gonna do the birthing uh, at this time of day. We're gonna try to induce labor. We're gonna try to get the birthing done at this time. You know, when all the doctors were there, when the hospital was fully staffed and could readily handle it, that was the idea. The babies that were like the mothers were staying overnight, uh, waiting for this to happen, and labor would just come and they couldn't stop it. They had to deliver the baby right then. Those babies were living. So the doctors were having mortuary duty in the morning, then going to deliver the babies. This person realized what was going on and said, I demand everyone start cleaning and washing your hands. And he was so attacked for that, he, uh, by the other medical professionals, he ended up committing suicide over it. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. But, but it, it goes to your point. Uh, this is, um, sorry, I, I knew this story from the past. I'm kind of scanning it on the, on the net right now. So you guys can read the whole story. Uh, Ignaz Semmelweis. Uh, check it out. Uh, the last name is spelled S-E-M-M-E-L-W-E-I-S. And just check out his story. But he ended up committing suicide because he was so attacked by the medical community for demanding that his doctors do this, that it it depressed him uh, and he couldn't handle it. Think about that, something as simple as washing your hands. He was so attacked by everyone. But yeah, it's, it's exactly the same type of picture that we're talking about here. God is telling them, essentially, wash your hands. You've handled this disgusting thing, wash your hands. Brad's right. This story of Ignaz Semmelweis was in the 1900s. You know, this is this is you know, nearly six thousand years uh, after after the creation of the world. This is you, you know uh, five thousand years, four thousand years. After, you know, after w- these rituals are going on in, in the land of Israel, and God is telling them simply wash your hands to be clean, they wouldn't have understood. They would have just gone, okay, we'll obey you, but we don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to us. Right. I mean, if the medical professionals in the 1900s were saying, you idiot, why are you telling people to wash your hands? That's so stupid. Why would these people have understood it? Right. Anyway... That's just kind of a, yeah, thank you for that, Brad, because we got off topic, but it's still, it's talking about the signature of God. How intelligent, it's just proof, it's further proof that the Bible had to be from God. It's not from man. So I do appreciate that. But all of this comes down to the fact, I bring up all of this because the seventh millennia, the seventh day is clean Yay! It's hallowed, <laughs> which means it's godly. The entire seventh millennia is listed as being clean, which means the entire thing is a picture, a correct representation of who God is. That's why there's no evening. Uh, there's only light. There's no darkness.
1: That picture Right there makes my soul happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the further you get away, the more you, you fill your soul with things that are not godly. I really do believe your soul has an emotion, it, it, it gets depressed. And you'll start seeing that in the physical. Anything that happens in the spiritual, you can also see it in the physical. Yes. And so when we talk about something like that, I, I feel my soul literally leaping and joy. Yes. Let's get to that day. Let's get closer to God. Let's get closer to those godly perfections.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm with you. So let me go on at this point to Genesis 2, 4. These are the generations of the heaven and of the earth when they were created in the day that Yahweh Elohim made earth and heaven. So here, the first thing that jumped out as me is we've talked about the timing of a day. What is a day? Is a day a 24-hour period? Is a day a thousand years? Is a day an indeterminate amount of time uh, named by something else? Right here, we see that the word day used in the King James Bible, used in the Hebraic Roots version right here, does not necessarily have to mean a 24-hour period because God just took six days to work, one day to rest, and then he calls that entire period one day. He said, these are the generations, plural, of heaven and of the earth when they were created in that day that Yahweh made earth and heaven. So he's just saying, this is the time period. This is the single event of the creation of everything.
1: And what an event.
0: (laughs) Right. But just to remember that when you're trying to label a time when this happened, be aware that word day does not have to necessarily mean one 24-hour period. It obviously doesn't here. He just said, okay... If you translate it as the first 24-hour period and the second 24-hour period and the third 24-hour period and then he gets to the seventh and he rests on a 24-hour period, he then calls those seven 24-hour periods one 24-hour period? No, that doesn't make any sense. He's, He's just saying that whole thing together was one period, one event. Now, that does not mean I'm not attacking the people who say it is one, you know, each each day, the first day, second day, third day, though that is a 24-hour period. The people who say that, yes, it very well could be. I'm not saying this negates your belief. I'm just simply saying be careful because in here, in this verse, it is very self-evident that it doesn't necessarily mean that. You can't use the word day and automatically call it a twenty-four hour period. That's all I'm saying. Now I did look up the word "generations." It's the Strong's. It's the it's Strong's Concordance word number eight four three five, toledah. And the cool thing about this is it is a plural word only. There's no singular to this, uh, and it means descent, as in a family history, birth, or generations. But the cool thing I thought about that is, could we replace the word generations with the word birth? These are the births of heaven and earth? I just thought that was pretty cool.
1: That is a cool concept, yeah.
0: Yeah. I actually had
1: a thought like that uh, during one of your last studies. Um, It's not coming to me now when when, when we talked about it, but in my head I was literally thinking God is birthing the world and the galaxy into creation. So no, I'm on board with
0: you, and maybe they're both correct. Uh, I was going to say generations was chosen here by the the uh, interpreters, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but birth is a another correct way of interpreting the word that's used here. Is this kind of and we've talked about the Hebrew word nefesh before, meaning many things, and so the Hebraic roots translator he decided to keep the word uh nefesh in the interpretation rather than try to limit it to one or the other because the word itself can mean many of them at the same time and he didn't want to limit the interpretation i'm wondering if maybe that's something that's going on here generations births they both should be used at the same time right but i also thought i just had the thought if generations is correct It's a correct application being used here. Does this imply a greater period of time than six 24-hour periods? Was that word intended to be a clue to us of extended time? These are the generations of heaven and the earth, or am I limiting this to my own conception of what a generation is? Uh, I want to be cognizant of that. I want to let the Bible define the Bible and not limit my personal interpretation of what a generation is affect me. Uh, so I throw it out there as something to ponder, something to consider, but I'm not coming to a conclusion. Yeah. Now, the word picture. Toledah can be spelled one of two different ways. Tav, Lamed, Dalet, He. Or it can be spelled Tav, Vav lamed dalet hey so there's two possible interpretations for this well actually as we've said before there's many possible word interpretations for this but because of that extra letter extra possible letter i came up with two and we're talking about generations of heaven and earth uh, and i thought the thing that jumped out at me always want to emphasize just me you can come up with something different and be just as correct this is just what grabbed my heart Behold, the covenant controls the pathway. Uh, Or with the other spelling, with vav thrown in there, you can say, Behold, the covenant that is marked with a nail controls the pathway. And I thought of this meaning the generations of the heaven and the earth and the prophetic meaning, uh, meaning not just uh, when it was created initially, but the heaven and the earth the ongoing, like we said before, the generations of the heaven and the earth, the heaven and the earth being finished, not back before, when Adam was created, sorry, back back beginning of time, but the generations being finished at the end of the sixth millennia, being now it's finished, and God, Jesus comes back and finishes it and puts an end to Satan's reign, and he reigns and rules on the earth uh, the generations of heaven and earth, the covenant controlling the path that our timeline is on uh, in all of the generations of this planet. That was just something I thought was pretty cool.
1: Super cool. Just boggles my mind to think that how perfect is God? And we're only mm-hmm. seeing it from a very small perspective, but everything put into place in perfection but not just, didn't just create the universe. He didn't just create the perfect system. He created all time, every moment, everything that happens. I, I just, it's it's <laughs> yeah. mind-boggling.
0: It, it's, it's phenomenal. He is the author. and uh. I, I
1: just appreciate that he gave me the mind that I have I can't figure it out, but I, give, I appreciate the fact that I have the mind that can at least I get the concept or the idea that there's something so amazing going on here. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'm going to end there by just saying uh, Genesis 1-1 through Genesis 2-4 uh, gave us the overall order of creation. Now, when we go on next time, we're going to start with Genesis 2-5, and it is going to go back And it is going to start to add some more specifics. Genesis 2-5 is not continuing on after the seventh day. It's not in chronological order from here on out. It is going back and adding some more detail about the creation. So any last thoughts, Brad, before we wrap it up?
1: No, just now I'm looking forward to that. I mean, look at all the details we've already seen just in the quick this is how it happened Mm -hmm. now we're actually going to fill in even more detail yeah wow
0: it's it it gets really cool not like it hasn't already (laughs) right but uh i want to thank you brad because i thought this was going to be a very short one what is our time right now Uh, about 50 minutes 50 minutes I thought this was going to be one of my shorter ones, and we just kind of took off on some really cool side notes there that, that uh, I, I appreciate you jumping in and throwing that because it added a lot more depth and a lot more just cool elements that I hadn't even considered going into this. So with that, as always, I'm Scott. And I'm Brad. And this has been
1: Not About Us.